Amen. Beautiful singing, church. Appreciate you lifting your hearts together to worship our Lord and Savior. Glad that you're here this morning. Go ahead and open your Bible with me to the book of Jeremiah. Give you a few moments to find your place there. Jeremiah chapter 31. We're looking at some of the Old Testament scriptures related to the birth of the Messiah. And here's the thing. Matthew quotes from Jeremiah 31. And it almost seems very abrupt how this little little story is found right here in the book of Matthew amidst all of the wonder and the joy and excitement and the enthusiasm that's happening around. In fact, Matthew, uh, just in a previous uh, chapter or a previous uh, paragraph here, before he quotes from Jeremiah, he, he says that the, those wise men that came to worship the Savior, the Magi, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then you also hear about the shepherds that whenever they came and they found the Christ child, they were filled with joy and they went away praising God because of the joy. But then you hear the quotation that Matthew quotes from Jeremiah, and it's a sad quote. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. When you find that passage in the Old Testament, you realize that that passage actually comes from a very joyful, joyful prophecy in the book of Jeremiah. But here highlighted here at Christmas time, you know, a time where it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, a season filled with joy, happiness, excitement and enthusiasm. Little feet running down the stairs to the Christmas tree to see what's under the tree and presents being opened and pecan pie. Amen. Joyful time of the year. Getting together with family. Isn't that a joyous thing to sit across from people that you haven't seen all year and enjoy them at Christmas time? And we know that all of the phrases, happiness comes and goes, but joy comes and stays, right? Amen to that. And there's another one. Joy, joy stands for Jesus, others, and you. If you get those priorities right, you'll have joy in your life. Today, though, I'm talking to the person who feels out of place at Christmas. The person that you don't feel joyful. Perhaps this year has been filled with sorrow. Or loss, grief. And perhaps it's difficult to have joy. This message is for you. Someone said, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? All right. So we can artificially drum up some happiness, can't we? But I want to tell you this, you can't artificially drum up joy, just can't do it. It's either there or it's not. You either have it or you don't. And it's because you either know the Savior, the Redeemer, who gives you the joy or you don't know Him. 
And just as you cannot love perfectly, which is what we discovered Wednesday night, until you've been perfectly loved by the Savior, you cannot have joy unspeakable until you know the Redeemer. But if you are redeemed of the Lord, your joy will say so. Amen. Have you found your place in Jeremiah 31? Let's stand together and read from this prophecy. We'll begin in verse 10. Okay, so kind of scroll down and find verse 10 in your copy of God's Word. And by the way, it's okay if you bring your tablet and you read off your tablet or, or your smartphone. If you don't have your Bible with me, that's fine too. Follow along in God's Word, however you have it. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. By the way, we are the coastlands. Where we are gathered here today, that's where we are. We are the nations who are far away. Verse 11, for the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from the hands of too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Has God been good to you? Over the grain and the wine and the oil and over the young of the flock and the herd, their life shall be like a watered garden and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry. Hey, you can't read that in a Baptist church, can you? I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Now this is what Matthew quoted. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. Let's stop here and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, that you comfort the afflicted and you give joy in the place of sorrow. I pray, Father, that you would bless each and every one of us, Lord, as we sit under the tutelage of your word this morning, that you would give us hearts that are ready and willing to receive the message that you have for us. Make us what we are not this morning. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, and give us feet and hands to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Someone would say, well, you need to have joy at Christmas, and you, but I, I want to alleviate you from having to fake it this year. Don't fake it. People know whether you really have joy or not. And if you're faking it and you're trying to hold it all together this morning, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to lose the balance of it all and it's all going to come tumbling down. 
But if you keep your eyes fixed on him, your redeemer, and you realize that he is in control, not you. And you realize everything that he's done for you, you can have true joy in your heart. You can have joy unexpressible, joy unspeakable, joy unstoppable that no one else can take away and that only the Lord gives. Jesus is is not only the reason for the whole season, but Jesus is the reason for our joy. And I want to give you give you five quick points. Y'all ready for that? Hold on tight. Five quick points of what Jesus is for us and how he is the reason for our joy. Number one, he's the reason for our redemption. He's the reason for our redemption. Look again at the verses there that we just read. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Declare in the coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather him. You think about what happened in the exile. Because of the sin of the people, they were scattered off into the nations. But Jeremiah prophesies that there will be a day whenever God will regather his people again. He will redeem them and he will ransom them. And this is the word of the Lord in verse 10. It says, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord prophesied this 600 years before Jesus was born. That he was going to redeem his people and ransom them. The Lord declared the redemption. Redemption means to to buy them back. Why did they need to be bought back? Why did they need to be redeemed? That's because we were bound by our sin. Did you know that before you came to know Christ, you were bound by sin and you were destined for death? The chains of death were wrapped around your soul and you could not escape. They were too strong for you. It was a formidable force that you could not face alone. Then it says he ransomed us. Have you, you ever heard? Of, you ever watch one of those movies and the and the bad guy wants a ransom? Well, the devil had the rights to your soul because of sin, but Jesus paid the ransom by His blood. Revelation five nine through ten. This is the the song of the twenty four elders, and this is what they sing about in heaven. They sing. Uh, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He has redeemed us by his blood. It says that they were redeemed from the hands of him too strong him what that indicates is we can't do it it's something that God has to do for us so in order for you to have true joy you have to come to the one who is the redeemer and who can redeem you from the chains of sin Job said this Job had lost everything and everything that, that, was, that was happening to him as his friends were accusing him of doing evil and causing all the bad things that had happened to him and his family. Job stands in the midst of all of the accusations. And this is what he says. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will stand on the earth. See, Job looked forward to a day whenever his Redeemer would be on the earth. And folks, when Jesus was born... The Redeemer was inhabiting human flesh. He came and he was born as a baby, born to die for the souls of mankind. 
So Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. (laughs) Amen to that. Are you redeemed of the Lord? Can you say amen this morning? Do you believe that He's bought you? He paid the price for your sin? If you know that, you can have joy and you can allow that to be released in your life and in the lives of the people around you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. Amen. And so he is our redeemer. But but secondly, though, this is the reason Jesus is the is the reason for the season and the reason for our joy. He is our radiance. If you look at what it says in verse 12, they shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. You think of the height of Zion in in the writer day in Jeremiah's day, Jerusalem was that highest point that people could imagine. I mean, everybody went up to Jerusalem, and indeed it is set up on a high mountain uh, compared to the area around it. And, and what Jeremiah is seeing is that all the people of God are coming up to the mountain, and they're just radiating with the glory of God that's beaming from them. And that's a picture of what the believer's life should look like. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Amen. You're the light. You are. You and I are. And this Christmas, there's a dark world around us that needs to see the light of Jesus in us. But Jeremiah envisioned a day when the saints would shine like stars. But he tells us why. why. Why are they radiating? What is going on? It says, over the goodness of the Lord. Do you know the goodness of God this morning? Can you say, all my life, we've sung this song many times, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. Do you believe that? Can you testify of that this morning, what God has done? Now, this is here's some of the physical blessings that Jeremiah mentions. He's, he talks about the grain. Man, I, I love it whenever Allison makes her yeast rolls. And... Um, and Allie, I hope you can get around to doing that sometime soon. Uh, I know you're busy. Just a request. But the the, the yeast rolls uh, just uh, rising, and the smell of those, the aroma that fills the house, it just it just makes it just makes me light up. And and then I watch the boys, and she's got the the the. The rolls coming out of the oven, and they come running down, and they look, and they go, Mom made her rolls, and they're excited. In Israel's history, though, because of the sin that they had embraced and the idolatry that separated them from the one true God that they embraced, they were separated from God. And what that meant was they were separated from the provision of God. Going home and having food at the table wasn't a thing that they could do. The grain, the wine, the oil, the young of the flock and the herd. These represented the bellies of the the Israelites being full. That represented the blessing of God. And, And what Jeremiah is not teaching, I want you to get this and make sure you understand this. Jeremiah is not teaching that Jesus... If you trust in Jesus, Jesus will bless you materially. And then you'll have all this abundance of things. That's that's not what he's teaching. But what he is saying is that you will be spiritually satisfied if you know Jesus. 
and that you will overflow with spiritual blessings. Uh, Paul said to the Ephesians, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You, get, you hear that? In other words, if we come to him, we will be spiritually satisfied. We'll have everything that we need. When you're in Christ, he has deposited a small piece of heaven within you called the Holy Spirit. Now, the Spirit is everything in heaven, but he's given you a portion of it, the Bible says. And you have his presence wherever you go. You radiate with him wherever you go. And so he is our radiance. He's our redemption. He's our radiance. But, but thirdly, Jesus is the reason for our rejoicing. Look again at what it says. So they have all of these. And they'll be like a watered garden and they shall languish no more. He's going to provide for us. Verse 13. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men. I think those two go together. I think he's saying the young women are going to rejoice in the dance. But hey, they need a partner too. So we're going to throw the young men in too. Now, I, I, I went some to, to some dances whenever I was in high school. And I tell you what. Of anybody on the planet who can't dance. I'm the king of the people who can't dance. I don't dance. But Caleb came strolling through the kitchen the other day. And he was doing the moonwalk. And he's just about got it down. He could be on a Michael Jackson video pretty soon. But what causes a man with two left feet to get out on the dance floor? And what causes the woman, the young woman, to get up and dance with all of her might and with joy? It's the presence of the Lord in her. And then it says not just that, but hey, there's some other folks that are going to join in. They see the, the young man and the young woman dancing for the joy of the Lord. And then who comes out? It says the old shall be merry. They're going to join in. So in other words, who all is celebrating over what the Lord has done? It's, say it with me, everyone. Everyone is going to celebrate over what the Lord has done. And then he says, he's going to do this. He's going to take their mourning and turn it. The word in the Hebrew literally means he's going to Turn it around. It's going to do 180 degrees. What was there is no longer going to be there. And what God gives will be there instead. So what was there? Well, mourning is there. But what will be in its place? Well, joy will be in its place. Then he goes on to say, I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. Gladness and sorrow. He's going to turn it around 180 degrees. Well, what happens? Can you, can you just sense the Spirit of God Wrapping his loving arms around his people in this passage. He says, I will comfort. I will comfort. And what he doesn't say is that he will take away all the bad things that cause our sorrow. But what he does say is that he will comfort us. 
Then he goes on to say in verse 14, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance. And this is, this is so significant because the priesthood had, had all but been abolished in Jeremiah's day. It was falling apart. The sacrifices that once came up to the temple were no longer coming. And, and the grain offerings that fed the priests were no longer coming. And basically the priests were, were, were beginning to be jobless and homeless. Because the worship of the Lord was falling apart. Can you imagine churches empty? Can you imagine uh, no worship services being held? Especially this time of the year. Can you imagine empty buildings where the Spirit of God once dwelled and now in the people of God that gathered in those places and now they're just empty? And listen, our world is seeing that all around us. People running away from God rather than running to God. And what what... Jeremiah prophesies a time where there'll be an abundance. And he says, and the people shall be satisfied. How and why? He says, with my goodness, declares the Lord. In spite of all the bad that's around us, our, the, the people of God, our people, will be satisfied with the goodness of God. And in His presence, we find that. And so He is... The reason for our rejoicing. David said in Psalm 16, he said, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What I want to encourage you is, if, if joy seems like a distant idea this year, draw close to him. Because in His presence, there is joy. And when Jesus puts His joy inside you, the world will see you rejoicing. But, can I add a but here? Romans 12, verse 15, Paul says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We have to remember, if you're joyful this morning, what you have to remember is there are others around you who have suffered and are suffering. Proverbs says, He who sings songs in the presence of the sorrowful, the heavy-hearted, is like one who pulls off a coat in winter. You get, you get the imagery. He's saying... If you go about just singing happily and merrily and rejoicing in the presence of one who is sorrowful and you have no regard for their sorrow, it's like you just took the last little hope that they had in their life away from them, which is a coat in the winter. That's all they got. Now their life is just ice cold. And so it's... It, it, what Proverbs is... Reminding us is to remember those who are suffering. Can you remember them this Christmas? A note, a card, a word, a prayer, phone call, text message. Tell them that you love them. That you know that they're hurting. That they've been through grief. 
So everything that we just read, it almost seems like, hey, there should be a chapter break here or something. But Jeremiah's prophecy just flows right down into verse 15. And he says, thus says the Lord, a voice heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. Jeremiah described the, the weeping of Rachel over her children carried into exile. Now, Rachel had passed away, but we look at Rachel's life and we realize Rachel's life was one of sorrow. One, she couldn't have children for a long time. And then when she, she finally had children, one was Joseph. What happened to Joseph? As far as she knew, Joseph was killed and torn apart by wild animals. And then she became pregnant again and had another child, Benjamin. But as she was giving birth to Benjamin, she died. And she had so much pain in that childbirth, she was weeping, and this is what she named Benjamin. She named Benjamin Ben-Oni, Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. Now, you imagine growing up being named son of sorrow. <laughs> that must have been tough, right? So Jacob renamed Benjamin and named him son of my right hand. But Rachel died weeping. And this is the picture that Jeremiah points to when he talks about the children of Israel being carried away. And then Matthew picks up on the same picture in the New Testament. And he says this is exactly what it was like whenever Herod slaughtered all of the babies under two years old in the town of Bethlehem. And what we, what we see from this picture is Jesus came to a world filled with sorrow and lamentation and weeping. David knew the suffering of losing a child. In Psalm 31, David said, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. I mean, have, have, you, have you been through that dark night of sorrow where the you, know, you, you weep so much you just run out of tears and you just can't cry anymore? He says, my soul and my body also. I've, I've heard people testify about the agony of losing someone dear, a child, where they cry so much that they're, and they're weeping so much that their sides were hurting. Like they had broken ribs. So when Jeremiah says lamentation and bitter weeping. Those aren't just figurative words. Those are very real for some of the people in your life. They're very real for some of the people in this room. Second Samuel chapter 12. David Speaking of his child, he said, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back? But David had this little tinge of hope and he said, I shall go to him. But he will not return to me. Many of you have children who are in heaven 
right now. And Christmas is an especially difficult time of the year for you. Jeremiah also knew suffering. The one who's writing to us here, the prophecy of God in Jeremiah 31. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations. He was chained and he was beaten and he was buried in a cistern with mud up to his neck for the prophecy of God that he had given to him. And as he wrote the book of Lamentations, he puts this one one positive passage right at the heart of the book. That's the, the only real light that you find in all of the book. And this is what Jeremiah said. He said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So why? Why would Jeremiah put that right at the heart of the book? He puts it there because that was the hope that he clung to in a life full of sorrow. The steadfast love of the Lord and the mercy that never ceases. But you know who else was acquainted with suffering and sorrow? The baby born in the manger. Isaiah prophesied about him in Isaiah 53 and he says he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. David wrote this in Psalm 30. Of the Lord. He said, for his anger is for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And what we understand is there will be a reward for those who have suffered here on this earth. Mark 10, 29 through 30, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. And he's talking to Peter because Peter said, we've, we've lost everything for you, Jesus. We've left it all behind. What reward will we have? He said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time and houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. So here's the thing. If you're suffering during this season, remember your reward. He's the reason for our reward. And His promise is true. Verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. But not only is He the, the reason for our reward, and not only is He promised that, but lastly, he, he is the reason for our restoration. Now I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear it good. Because the solution for the loss that we face and the brokenness of the world around us is not just cheering up. Just cheer up. Look on the bright side. The power of positive thinking. If you could just see the silver lining on the cloud. That's not the solution. How many self-help books 
have gone into garage sales. It's also not in a bottle or in a pill or on a screen or in the arms of a lover. The true solution is the restoration that our Redeemer promised. The true solution is to hear the words that the Lord gives here in verse 16. He says, they shall come back. Whenever God says they shall, guess what? They shall. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. Can I tell you, the person that you've lost that's loved the Lord, you're going to see that person again one day. You may not see them at Christmas, but there's coming a day that you will see them. The loss that you've suffered, whether it be the loss of, of vitality and, and the loss of or financial loss that you've suffered, whatever it may be, you're going to receive it back. I'm excited about January because I'm going to be preaching in the book of Job. And you go, what? <laughs> You're excited about I am excited about that. Job is a difficult book to hear about a man who lost everything and how he held on to his faith. It does encourage us, but it is a difficult story to read. We're going to be studying that in January, and I'm excited about doing that, but I just want to... I want to tell you about one little wonderful treasure that's in the book of Job. And you have to pay attention to the numbers. How many of you like reading the book of Numbers during your, your Bible reading? I mean, we're doing great. In the book in January, we say, I'm going to read through the Bible, and we're doing really good. And we get, get on down to, like, what, what, March, April, and we're reading in Numbers, and it's like, man, I ain't getting through this. But you've got to pay attention to the numbers. And in Job chapter 1, 2 through 3, the Bible talks about all of Job's wealth. And listen to what he has. He's got 7,000 sheep. He's got 3,000 camels. He's got 500 oxen. He's got 500 female donkeys. I mean, it sounds like a song from Aladdin. To children, he's got seven sons and three daughters. How many children is that? Can you do the math this morning? Just hold both hands up. You don't even have to take your shoes off to count. The days of his life up to the point where Satan afflicted him were 70 years. But then you look in chapter 42, and this is the beautiful part of it. The Lord said he would restore him, and guess what the Lord did? The Lord gave him back everything that Satan took away, and he gave him twice much. Look at what it says. It says he had, se had 7,000 sheep in chapter 1. In chapter 42, he's got 14,000, double, right? 3,000 and then 6,000 camels, 500 oxen, and then 1,000 oxen in chapter 42. Can somebody say the Lord restored Job? Somebody, somebody say that. But, and then a thousand female donkeys. Children though, seven sons and three daughters in chapter one, that's ten, right? 
And then in chapter 42, seven sons and three daughters. And somebody said, well, everything else is double. Why didn't he have 20? You need to hear this. He had 10 who were in heaven. Now, we're going to get into how we know that in the book of Job when we study the book of Job. But he was going to see him again. The Lord promises the restoration. And then the days of his life, Job lived till he was fat and old. 140 years. Amen to that. God blessed him. And he has eternal life now that his Redeemer went and led captivity captive and brought him up and took him into the presence of God for eternity. And I'm so thankful for the promise of God this morning. And I'd love to sit here and tell you that you can just conjure up some joy this morning. That if you just looked on the bright side that you'd have joy. But what I can tell you is that's not the answer. Jesus is the reason for your joy. And if you know who he is and you know what he did for you, you can have joy that overflows. You can have an abundance of joy and you will. And maybe you're a Christian and you know all these things, but you really haven't been dwelling on them and you've been dwelling on the bad rather than dwelling on him. And that's what you need to do. You need to just spend some time thinking about what Jesus did for you and praying and thanking him for all that he did. And I guarantee you, if you spend enough time in that place, you will get up from that place off of your knees and there will be a smile on your face. Maybe you're suffering this morning because of the loss and 2023 has been a year of suffering for you. And can I tell you, the Lord is going to restore everything that the devil took. He's going to bring it back and bless you abundantly if you know him. Not because of anything that you did to earn or deserve that, but because of what Jesus did purchasing your redemption on the cross. And if you don't know him this morning, this is your opportunity to confess that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. You need to be redeemed by the Redeemer today. What better time to do that than right here at Christmas? The time of the year that we celebrate the life giver coming and inhabiting human flesh. If he'll come right into your heart, if you'll let him. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you this morning and you want to pray a prayer with me to ask Jesus into your heart, just pray these simple words. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things that I know are wrong and I've failed to do what I know is right. And I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I believe that you did come. You were born as a baby. You lived a sinless life. And you purchased my life by your blood on the cross. You are my redeemer. I believe that you were raised again on the third day and that you are alive today to the glory of God. So Jesus, forgive my sin. 
make me a new person. And I'll spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you as my Lord and my Savior. And I pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with us? We're about to have our invitation. We're apparently going to sing the goodness of God. I'm thankful for that song. I'm glad we got it working. And uh, you come during this song. If you prayed that prayer in your heart and you meant it with everything that you have, it's time to let us know. Don't be ashamed of that decision. Proclaim it. So you come. This is your invitation. If you're looking for a church home, a church family, and you believe that God is leading you here, you want to come join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church in, in full fellowship and faith, you come. And we'll serve along the Lord Jesus together. We'll receive you into the fellowship. And if you need prayer, you can come as well. Our altar counselors will be here. We'll pray for you. If you want to just pray right there where you are, you take this time to go before the Lord and thank Him for all that He's done for you and align your heart with His.